0: So there's a theme, and I think there's an affinity between some of the extreme right movements in America and and Russia. There's just no doubt about it. It seems to be that Russia fostered that over the last few years, but it does seem like they're playing into it as well, especially when it comes to Jan 6.
1: I think earlier we mentioned Everett Stern's name from Mm. Pennsylvania. Yes. That barn is located in Lancaster County. When Reichland's team of operatives approached Everett Stern, it was around Lancaster County Patriots.
0: That is very interesting. I might not be in the same barn. They seem to have a lot of barns there, but I, I remember asking him about that. I'll show you the Bowsman barn. This is from Google Maps. And, you know, it's a kind of an interesting barn. It's sort of hidden behind all these trees. It's very hard to look to get access to. It's behind another house. It's a very sort of secret venue. And it was, as I say, uh, their first meeting.
1: The venue where Stern was a Kiwanis venue,
0: it, it needed to be permitted through, I think it was New Holland, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I do think that that's a different venue than the one he was talking about. But certainly Pennsylvania is ground zero for all of this. I mean, you look at the whole of the January six events, they all seem to happen or at least originate out of Pennsylvania in the first place.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, what he's describing there, that is the message. It is the, the kind of the nationalist message. I mean, we know as far back as 2014 or 2015, when maybe it was a little later than that, I can't recall exactly. You know, there's a video of Bannon sitting across the table from Nigel Farage talking about piecing together this global nationalist movement, right? Yeah. Basically said everything that he wanted to do out loud. And, you know, we've seen him do it, you know, like he got kicked out of Rome for trying to build a new nationalist, to, you know, essentially a fascist movement in a church over there, came out and stopped him from using it. And so the international connections certainly aren't lost. And neither is, you know, the Russian connection in this case, because, you know, for anyone who's familiar with the neo-Nazi movement called The Base, that group has mm-hmm. been arrested on the FBI has raided and shut down before they actually did some real violence in Virginia at one point. Turns out the leader of the base, this guy named Ronaldo Lazaro, actually lives in Russia. Yeah They are certainly interested in doing everything they can to soak these tensions and support anybody who will.
0: So let me back up here a little bit and remind people of who Baalsman is. And I'm doing this for a real purpose. So bear with me here. So he was involved in the planning of January the 6th, because we know on January the 3rd, he had a meeting with the Moonies. But in the weeks leading up to that, he had several other events asking for the steal and the fraud recount. You know, that Barn we just mentioned. He's also very, very close to the Moonies. And we'll explain that in just a second. He's heavily involved in the PA Stop the Steal, I just mentioned. But he's also, his key underpinnings are he's a monarchist. He's a religious orthodox. He really believes in the return of a monarchy, especially in Russia, but in, everywhere in the world, he's a pro-Putin disinformation agent, as you point out. He also blamed America on the 40,000 Russian Ukrainians who died during the Ukrainian conflict, which, of course, is complete nonsense. But that's just, you know, part of the propaganda spiel that they do. Now, we know as well that he's tied into this guy and he comes up a lot. Trump, Russia investigation and elsewhere. Charles Bose bausman is on record. We have the emails. We can show them to you at a different time, but I won't bore you with them right now. Asking for money from Konstantin Milofiev through his intermediary, Alexei Komov is just another interesting character. Now, Konstantin Milofiev is probably one of Russia's, or at least one of Putin's favorite oligarchs. He works very closely with the Russian Orthodox Church and also through the Russian Orthodox Church has created a number of different organizations around the world, like the World Congress of Families, which are essentially right-wing organizations pretending to be social justice organizations. You know, they're anti-LGBT they claim to be pro-family but you know their core message is anti-lgbt or homeschooling or that kind of stuff but it's masking a network of extreme white nationalist kind of organizations around the world do you guys know very much about malafaev is anything else you want to add about him and his involvement in any of this
2: i don't know much about malafaev but you know the wcf world congress of families is something Mm -hmm. that's going on for a while and i know that So there's a group here in the states called Alliance Defending Freedom and they're rated as a hate group by Southern Poverty Law Center because they are extremely, you know, anti-LGBTQ and to the extreme, I don't even want to say it, but they promoted like sterilization and just some of the worst things abroad. And the reason that this is interesting is because that same group helped the Republican attorneys general who drafted that lawsuit to the Supreme Court to try to get you know the seventeen attorneys general drafted the lawsuit in December to try to get SCOTUS to overturn you know elections in key states. And this Alliance Defending Freedom group helped write that. And they
0: oh really? That's in- interesting. I didn't know
2: that. Why do they do that? Well, the, the head of that alliance defending freedom, Pence, recently gave him a leading role in his own organization. And I think it was in 2014 that ADF actually went to Russia for the World Congress of Families to plan for what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, which, so who off. knows what they were planning now? You know, we look at it back at those beatings in 2014 and then another one in 2019 and you really questioned what was going on there. That is really interesting information. I'm going to look at more in more detail after the show, but that's fascinating that they supported that law case and that lawsuit to recount the votes. I should also introduce people to another character. And I apologize for all these unusual dudes I'm about to tell you about. But this is an important person that we've not heard much about. His name is Edward Lozanski. He's the so-called president of the American University in Moscow. And he's a pretty well-known guy in Russian diplomatic circles in the United States. He's certainly very connected to all the power brokers in D.C., He's very much considered an academic and thinker in that world. He publishes in Russia today, which is why he knows Charles Bausman. They often tell each other how wonderful they are, how great they are. This is a look at Bowsman's network, at uh, Lanzon's network. And you can see that he's connected to Roa Bosher, Carl Walden, um, to Bob Dole in the past, Jack Kemp, of course, to Donald Trump as well there. This is Patrick Simpson's diagram that he put together. This is a chart that Patrick did about Lazansky's connections to various people in the American world. And he turns out to be an interesting character. character because he organized a lot of the thinkers around january the sixth that came from russian origin and there's a another person which i'll get to in another show who's also involved in Lozansky's world that connects with bousman and maybe i'll get to that in just a few minutes but i want to introduce that character because he comes up again and again and again in my research and over the next few shows we'll explain why he's so important do you guys know about lozansky i certainly been around the block a lot that's the first i've seen it
2: i know a little bit about him i've read about him and you know some of the connections and inroads that he's made over here but it's been a little while and so not enough for recall
0: yeah i mean it's just something to keep an eye on to this guy because his name will show up a lot and i (laughs) raise him because he's one of the Konstantin malofev sort of inner circle especially around alexander dugan who's that theorist that some people call Putin's Rasputin. He's the guy who sort of architected the big change in the world, according to many people. Edward Lazansky is very close to Alexander Dugan, uh, and so he's close to Charles Balsman, as we mentioned. And he's also close to Jack Hannock, who's the former Sean Hannity producer, who now runs Konstantin Milofeev's right-wing TV network in Russia. I know you don't like to talk about Russia too much, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot because the show turned out to be a lot about Russia. But there is a lot of Russia here. I mean, it's sort of like it's hard to avoid. I try to avoid it, to be honest. But you look at everything that you're finding out, there is just a lot of Russian influence going on. It's hard for me to look at this as a journalist objectively and say there's no Russia. And of course, Russia has all the motive to do all this.
2: Absolutely true. And you know, I I don't want to try to downplay, you know, uh, what Russia is trying to do. They are absolutely opposed to Western democracy itself, and us especially, and they want to do everything in their power to do it. And the 2016 elections, they absolutely had influence in, and they never stopped. Right, a lot of their you know organizing has been you know through social media campaigns and those sorts of influence campaigns, but a lot of you know kind of been on the ground too. And you know, I think it's interesting, for instance, that I don't know if you guys recall, but back during uh, you know last summer when all the protests are going on and everything, there was a rally in Portland, there like a truck parade rally that drove out through Portland. resulted in somebody getting shot and killed out there and it turns out that the rally was organized by a former soviet family living in idaho or iowa Mm. i'm sorry i can't remember but who essentially run a, a slavic language evangelical church there you know and there are a lot of connections in my opinion influence operations. And I assume that a lot of this is being handled on the CI side, you know, and the counterintelligence side is necessarily going to see a lot of that servicing through law enforcement activities. I would like to see it surface though, because I want to feel like we're all crazy for seeing this stuff, you know, in your face, right?
0: Uh, It's the hard part about counterintelligence operations and not telling the public about, you know, we never find out if they actually existed, but it's so Clear to me that there's something going on here. That's hard not to report. That ported rally you talked about was actually another rally. I think they that a cruise. Remember, when all the boats sank. That one was organized by one of Lorzanski's diplomatic friends. You know, there was part of the Russian American compatriot organization that they had together. It also turns out to be a spy. So, you know, I think that there's just a lot of these agents around. You think classically about people who are spies as people who are trying to steal secrets, but that's not really what spies do. I mean, they sort of are much more these days operatives that are trying to influence the narrative and create events that. Show shape the reality in another country. So something like January the 6th would be very consistent with an influential operation by a foreign government. It's exactly what they'd love to do. The fact that they were able to pull it off is kind of stunning. But, you know, if it, if it was them, that's the kind of thing that they would do. Joe, do you have anything you want to say about uh, any of that or any and influence or any of these new findings about Milofeyev and others? No. The,
1: when I when you showed the um, Lozansky, you know, the names are the same. We see Oleg Deripaska was on that list. We see Dmitry Symes was on that list. It's the same yeah. people.
0: Yeah, coming up. Absolutely. Dmitry Simes of course, the person who many credits with uh, helping uh, Donald Trump become the president through his operation to create the to help him cement a foreign policy that included Russia. So let's move on to the churches because what I'm trying to do today is paint a portrait of all these other forces that have impacted January the 6th. And certainly the military group that Flynn was talking about was one of those forces. I've shown you a little bit about how Russia may have been involved in imprinting themselves on January the 6th. But there's also another big force, and that is the churches. Probably the biggest part of Trump's base is in evangelical churches, something like 40 million Americans who belong to evangelical churches all seem to be incredibly in favor of Donald Trump, even, you know, to the point where they would die for him. So we're talking about pretty devout and loyal cult almost following that Donald Trump has developed amongst the churches. And we've discussed this a lot on the show before. We've discussed the Jericho March before. But Joe, why don't you tell people a little bit more about how important that march was and what it was and how it led into the January the 6th riot?
1: They do Jericho marches every now and again. And the Jericho march was done on December 20th, I believe. And in that Jericho march, we see interviews on NTD of both Robert Patrick Lewis from the First Amendment Praetorian. We see interviews of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes. So there's this sense of everyone sort of coming together for these prayer marches, but they're there with these sort of militia type groups it's an interesting sort of you know aggregation of all these folks coming together under the guise of we're here to pray you know we are in fact you know going to come out and you know demonstrate our first amendment rights for you know free speech and freedom of religion and they go out and they do these marches but they're also sort of have all these other militant sort of people that are there as well
0: right it's really interesting this jericho march on the 12 surprised a lot of us because it was very violent on that day, particularly the Proud Boys was there, and I think there was a burning of a church that happened on that day. It was really uh, the first time we'd seen such a violent march. And it was, you know, under the uh, banner of Let the Church Roar, it featured many prominent Stop the Steal right-wing activists. Do you know who was there? Do you able to provide us the list of who might have been there or the types of personalities that were speaking at the march?
1: Some people at the Jericho March, I think, were like Enrique Tarrio. So you mentioned that there was mm. a you know, burning of a flag, it was a Black, Black Lives Matter flag, which was, you know, sort of precipitated his arrest. Some some others that were speakers that were there for the Jericho March were like Ali Alexander was there. He was a speaker for the day. There were some others I can't remember right off the top Roger of the head. Roger Stone right was
0: one of the people that Roger Alex Jones Stone was, was there. was
1: one that was there. Alex Jones. All Um,
0: wrapping their flag, you know, wrapping themselves up in the cross, if you will, carrying the cross, you know, suddenly, because they'd never really been Christian leaders before, but there they were on that day. And I'm showing you this uh, thing on the right here, because it is interesting. The two people who set up the Jericho March organization happened to be federal workers They had previously worked for a family research council, which we all know about as being a very right-wing and anti-LGBTQ organization. And the two people there, Grossu and Weaver, who got the actual permit for the events that day, Grossu was a contractor in the U.S. Department of Health and Human. And services and Weaver was named in the Department of Center of Faith-Based and Neighborhood Partnerships in July 2020, Also was appointed another position by Donald Trump. So we're talking another instance there of federal workers while they're still on the job or federal contractors while still on the job, participating in the build up to at least the Stop the Steal event. Aaron, do you know much about the Jericho March? Are you able to comment about that or discuss uh, some of these church influences on Jan 6? I'm
2: actually not terribly familiar with the Jericho March, uh, aside from the fact that Enrique Tarrio, the Proud Boys leader, was uh, arrested for defacing, you know, a church that day, a black church. And that's actually why he was arrested when he did come back to D.C. That's right. Was not available, (laughs) was predisposed on January 6th, you know, and uh, was not actually there. So I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah, Um, really interesting. So there's more to the churches, of course, than has been highlighted before. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time breaking down why these churches have played such an important role in January the 6th. I'm going to do more of that. When we return after this short break. Hey everyone, thank you for supporting Narrative and for supporting our sponsors. If you're a regular viewer to the show, you may have noticed I wear similar things every day. That's because I can be sure it matches everything else I'm wearing. Now I can stop thinking about what to wear and just embrace the radically efficient Mac Weldon Daily Wear System. The Daily Wear System is a selection of clothes rooted in smart design, made with performance fabrics and built to work together. From breathable t-shirts and polos to stylish button ups and shorts, underwear and beyond. Mack Weldon makes it easy for you to dress for work, leisure and play or wherever your holiday season might take you. I'm wearing the Ace sweatpants right now. It's available in a variety of colors. And don't get misled by the term sweatpants. These are structured and tailored and can easily be worn to informal meetings and also on travel. I've also opted for the Pima long sleeve t-shirt. The Pima cotton is really soft and you can wear it on its own or with a blazer again Everything is made to match, and it comes in black too. That saves me time, and I can focus on the things that matter, like the news. All that by wearing Mac Weldon's Daily Wear System. Buy Mac Weldon or products from the Daily Wear System this holiday season for twenty percent off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com/narrative. That's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, and enter promo code Narrative. That's MacWeldon.com/narrative. Promo code Narrative for twenty percent off. Mac Weldon, radically efficient wardrobing. Nothing makes me happier than talking about my sweatpants and TV. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of sponsors,
1: uh, there's one sponsor that was sponsored of the Jericho March was the Schlafly Eagles Forum.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: That was one of the, I think, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Foundation or Legal Defense Fund, because there's kind of two things. They're split in two different ways, that organization. One of them has a certain designation with IRS that can do political information and another one that uh, is just for charity donations in this tax deductible so that particular group was a sponsor for jericho march
0: it is indeed and of course we know them because they are in fact big fans of michael flynn they gave him the big award last year and that's all part of that same group of people that we keep seeing in all these stop the steal events it's schlafly's and her uh you know leadership there is very important in terms of understanding january the 6th
2: i agree i think it's interesting that because we talk about like well, you know who is the support network behind flynn and these folks and the fact that you know flynn Pled guilty to his charges, so he was on a trial where a judge said that he would sold out his country and even floated treason charges. And you know, in the hearing, he lined the FBI and you know, they essentially gave him a plea deal for it. You know, but. It was after all that the Sh- Schlafly Eagles gave him this Jack Singlaub Service to America Award. Right, he is their vision for America. This is what they support: is his attacks on our institutions. Right,
0: a hundred percent. That's exactly. You know, I think they're a big organization worthy of a lot of attention, and we should spend some time talking about them in future shows. Now one of them has been called, at least Ed Martin. I think has been called uh, has been subpoenaed. Is that right? Joe, has Ed Martin been subpoenaed?
1: Yes, yes. Ed Martin was subpoenaed by the January 6th committee
0: recently. And he is the president of?
1: President of the Schlafly Eagles. And I think he's also the president of Mike Flynn's American... I can never remember the second word there. Whatever. I know the one you're talking about. Yes, you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember the name either.
2: America's future, that's right, that's right. He's the
0: president of America's future as well.
2: He's also a CMP member.
0: He is indeed. And uh, we mentioned him earlier on as part of Judicial Watch. And guess what? and domestic, and they have very, very strong networks that run across all the countries that are struggling with democracies and, and struggling with the attacks on democracy. Any thoughts that about work. that?
2: I did notice that you had the WCF highlighted behind him, and that's what that was. But then, yeah. so you have the WCF highlighted and Schlafly Eagles right under it. Yeah. You know? And there's Dev Martin, and that's pretty interesting. You know, the yeah. these, overlapping networks folks who really want to dig around institutions and you know when people talk about russia connections i mean it's easy to see why these folks are sort of natural allies with putin and what he wants to do right because they kind of have the same vision if you really think about it
1: yeah i mean do you know who, do you know who else spoke at that event this event that you're showing here uh no, John no. smith
0: oh really yeah that's that's so interesting I,
1: when you when you look at all the speakers for this particular day i believe this one was in uh verona in italy and i think if you look at all the speakers for that day One of them that was highlighted was John Eastman.
0: It's really interesting because you know who was also there that year is Charles Balsman. He was uh, attended that conference that year. And we have pictures of him and his family attending that conference. So who knows what they were discussing in that conference and figuring out what they were going to do. Because it does seem to me that these are not just, you know, social issues. They're political issues now for these organizations. And they certainly act politically. And when you tie in the church, when you tie in the evangelical base, but also these other more traditional churches, it does begin to look a lot like the CNP wants. You know, the CNP is basically trying to return America to a Christian ethno state. And that certainly feels to me like what we're seeing, at least, happening with all these organizations and all these networks and then... Subsequently, events like uh, January the 6th
1: seems like yeah, a small yeah. world and everybody's sort of connected and they're connected over time. And it is a small group of these folks that are widely influencing what we're dealing with now.
2: I, I was just going to agree and say that, you know, it's definitely a small world and it seems like it gets smaller as they sort of shuffle out folks who don't, don't agree with them and winnow down this kind of hardcore base over there on the right. Right. And I also mm-hmm. see these networks, the way they sort of evolve is, you know, on the right, the Republican Party infrastructure. You know, at a certain point after Nixon, what have you, they started kind of allowing in various other people rather than face, you know, being stuck in the political wilderness after Watergate for so long. They kind of allowed in some nihilistic actors to basically whoever can help us win an election, you know, and that's when Roger Stone kind of came into the picture and various other folks. I mean, it's kind of simplified, it, you know, they, these folks kind of weave in and out. And then, you know, after Reagan was elected, that's when we see. Paul Wayrick, Tim LaHaye, and some of these folks—you know—creating the CNP and Heritage and Alec—and these are the same groups that are attacking us right now. And they're the one, they're actually the same groups who are writing voter suppression laws, even after the insurrection, and it hasn't stopped, right?
0: Absolutely, and, and the ones packing the Supreme Court. Yeah, exactly—the same ones packing the Supreme Court. You know, when Ann Nelson was on the show. She helped us understand the incredible breadth of the uh, CNP's reach over these January the sixth events, and certainly all those organizations I mentioned earlier were part of that. You know, there's all those big names that we're so familiar with. We're involved in some way or another in January the 6th. Going back to the original chart that they started off the show here today, you know, we've sort of looked at how Reichlin there, who's on the next to Flynn at the bottom left there, connects through the Pence card. You see Pence just above him, and then you see Eastman at the Willard on that one day. We know that A. Eastman and Reichlin were connected, and as you point out, Eastman was also at, at the World Congress of Families. But it, it's not just coincidental, I believe, that these people are you know spouting these ideas, and then others are executing them. There has to be some sort of common place where they're ultimately agreeing on the strategy and then executing it afterwards. So so we are looking for connections between Eastman and Reichlin. There clearly must be many. I mean, you mentioned some, by the way, Aaron. I know earlier on with a retweeting of some of policies by Trump and others. You've also got the congressman who we now spoke about as many of them have had their communications subpoenaed. At the bottom there, you've got Bowsman. I didn't mention that Bowsman is also connected to uh, many, many events that these guys were together. We have video of them together. And of course, on January the 3rd, the son of Reverend Moon was, was staying with his congregation at Bowsman's farm, the farm that we just showed you earlier on. There's documentary evidence of them being there. Moonies and Bowsman were also very, very close in fighting for the recount in Pennsylvania. So that's a significant thing. Above them, you see the Proud Boys, you see the Oath Keepers, you see the Three Percenters we know about their involvement, they've been around for a lot of time. And then we've also added the Jericho Church, the Jericho March, at least as another significant step along the way to January the 6th. But the one thing we hadn't mentioned up until now is the information pillar that we've built on the right there. Alex Jones Infowars, the Epoch Times, NTD the Washington Times, and of course, Russian Insider. These are all very, very significant organizations in terms of developing the information shield that allowed all of these people to arrive there on January the 6th and try to storm the Capitol. Any thoughts about how important these information uh, outlets have been to to January the 6th?
1: What's striking about that, uh, when you see it sort of put that way, a lot of people, one thing that's not there is Fox News. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is these each have their own audience that they're reaching. Mm -hmm. So not only does it have to go just, you know, strictly through one media outlet. It's all these different media, smaller media outlets with targeted others for their audience base. That they're yeah. trying to get this
0: message to. So they're purveying this message way down into very specific groups. Yeah, Steve Hassan, who was here on the show a couple of times, spoke about the Trump base being made up of a number of cults and each of these different cults had their own cult leader and the cult members would follow each of these cult leaders. It seems that the media also played out in the same way. You know, Each of these media outlets was specific to, to niches and had a very loyal following amongst each of these niches, as you point out. Aaron, do you have any thoughts about this information epic or about this chart in general?
2: No, I agree. And I think it's really interesting and sort of revealing that this kind of exactly what Steve Hassan was talking about, these kind of overlapping cults and uh, that they're kind of bringing out of the umbrella. We see these pillars coming together and we see this picture forming when, you know, folks like Trump go speak at a Mooney event. And, you know, on September 11th, he was at a Mooney event, I believe. Right?
0: Yep, absolutely. Um,
2: I agree. It's it's really telling that they're kind of forming up these uh, kind of cult movements and consolidating them using various messages that you know it, that are unique to each community, but you know, and making them all feel like they're part of something separate, but they're all funneling up to the same sort of structure, you know, ultimately, and uh, they're all working towards helping the Republican Party recapture our government it's playing out. So.
0: And I should mention as well, you know, our research has shown that certainly the Epoch Times and NTD are very, very much aligned with the Falun Gong, of course, but that the Falun Gong is no longer the Falun Gong of our past. It now is quite supportive of Communist Party and Xi in China today. The Washington Times is, of course, allied to the Moonies as is OAN. Both organizations have ownership ties to the Moonies and Russia Insider. We've discussed already is Charles Bowlesman's thing. Infowars as well has ties to Russia. So, you know, that's Alex Jones Outfit—it's pretty, like, impressive when you think about it in terms of scale and organization. They've done a, an incredible job of developing a network that seems quite broad and effective, and was actually able to at least create a historic moment. Certainly, it was not successful, and thank God for that. But it seems like so much planning has gone into this, and so much time over decades, probably, to pull off uh, January the 6th.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's a long time coming. I mean, you know, one of the other things that I kind of think about is, you know, a lot of this gets uncovered is, you know, sort of to Aaron's point earlier about, you know, what the field manual say about Mm. the use of psychological operations. It reveals a little bit of what it is that they're taught if we see it being done on us. Right. Mm. We can kind of see what they're doing. So I think, you know, a lot of times we see redactions and documents and it's to protect sources and methods how are these activities not really protecting sources and methods? I mean, I think this is a larger issue as well. The Department of Defense needs to evaluate.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that the Department of Defense needs some real careful attention by the media because we have not yet seen the full depth of support and organization that ran in towards uh, January the 6th. And I think there's a lot of questions still about the involvement of many of the people in the January the 6th operation, the Stop the Steal event, which we've been speaking about today, have military connections that are quite deep and all tied to Afghanistan, many of them tied to Afghanistan, many of them tied to psyops and you know psychological operations which flint of course is an expert in
2: i agree and i think it's very telling uh i'm not sure how exactly to say this but you know if you were someone who was working towards a white nationalist christian nationalist sort of nation and you wanted to infiltrate you know the armed forces then uh, the years after 9 11 provided a perfect environment for that a lot of the anti-muslim you know, sentiment that was happening and all that. It, it was, you know, our law, and similar for law enforcement, it was kind of a ripe environment where these folks, in my opinion, do. I, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened or um, that was coordinated, but I think it was certainly, you know, a perfect environment for them to do that. And so, what we're seeing today with this latest Reuters article, which largely just validates a lot of the research that we've been doing, is that, you know, we have some folks who had some very specific training that we trained. We gave them military training to go and do certain things, and then they turned around. And started using that against us and against our government to attack us and our mm. government.
0: Mm. And That's such a good point.
2: One, yeah, one thing that I think is also interesting is that. So, Reichlin had the Operation Pence Guard that came out. Donald Trump retweeted that. He got in touch with Eastman. You know, before too long, we saw the Eastman memo. So, the Operation Pence Guard targeted Trump and the mm. executive branch. The Eastman memo was written to target DOJ. Yeah. And then we recently learned about this PowerPoint presentation by Bill Waldron that was to target Congress. It was being circulated on the Hill. Mm -hmm. The targeted approach were different messaging styles for different audiences they wanted to reach. And at this point, I wonder, are we going to learn that somehow targeted the judicial branch as well? Or is there, so,
0: Well, know, kind of a, we know they have, uh, right? We've, they certainly did the Supreme Court nominee, um, you know, the nominees that Trump put forward and the new Supreme Court judges, they're all, you know, seem to be the three new ones seem to be very much in that same vein. So
1: just to touch upon that point about, you know, how there's sort of a message for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at some of the things that are going on in the tour that Mike Flynn takes with his groups, um, mm-hmm. the Clay Clark operation where you mm-hmm. have, you know, the Reawaken America tour or mm-hmm. the Reopened America tour and all these sort of these tours that are on the road, the venues they're going to are churches. Mm-hmm. And you go to these shows, they're basically shows because as a congregant of the church, you go to this, you know, you go to this show and there's Mike Flynn. So he mm-hmm. has, you know, veterans that are talking about, you know, tyranny and you've got veterans talking about voting machines. You've got doctors that are there talking about anti-mask and anti-vaccination. You've got a whole host of people. And then you have Christian music and you've got pastors that are there giving their speeches. So there really is something for everyone.
0: But, you know, it seems to be so official. The use of military officials, the use of these, you know, other supposedly well-known right-wing politicians makes it seem so official for church goers. You can't blame them in a way for accepting it as gospel because, you know, hell, you're in church. So it's kind of very very disturbing. I'm also really struck by what you said earlier about Afghanistan. You know, I wonder if Afghanistan was not only just a trap for Americans to come and fight a war there, but also maybe a trap to step into a psychological operation. Because you've got China and Russia right there on the borders, they have so much influence over that zone, anyhow. If you were trying to even just find a few select people that you wanted to try and turn or change their opinions, that would be a great zone to do it in, to bring them into that operational field like that and then try turn them. And I think that's worthy of some sort of attention too, especially with Mike Flynn. I think, you know, that's where he really changed a lot during his time in Afghanistan.
2: I want to say it was uh, in 2010 was when he was first reprimanded for passing sensitive information to Pakistan and then he was reprimanded. And then at another point, he passed sensitive information to someone else again, you know, he actually got in trouble for that. But, well, okay, then how did he end up at DIA, a director of DIA? <laughs> right.
0: right. It's, it's yeah. a good question. Or how did he land up next to Vladimir Putin at the RT Christmas conference? You know, uh, that's a pretty unusual chair for him to be sitting in. I think we're out of time. Are we out of time? We're well, out of time. Look at the time. It's 830. I didn't even realize we we're having so much fun. <laughs> so uh, thanks, guys. Uh, Aaron Harris and uh, Joe Dempsey. Tell everyone, Joe, how they can find you. Dempsey2, D-E-M-P-S-E-Y-T-W-O. And Aaron, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you?
2: Uh, I run the Clearing Fog uh, uh, Twitter account, clearing underscore
0: fog. That's it's a great account. Both of these accounts are absolutely must follows. If you don't follow them yet, you have to do it because it's really inc- interesting stuff. I cannot believe the deluge of information we got in <laughs> arriving today. So I'm glad we got some of it into the show. There's lots more I wish I could have got, but you know, there'll be other shows. We'll probably do one next week, Tuesday. We weren't planning to, but we'll do another one then. But we will be back on Friday for the after show. LB and Greg will be here and we look forward to celebrating a little, I don't say Christmas, maybe just holidays with everybody this Friday. So please be there at 7 p.m. on the East Coast, 4 p.m. on the West Coast. As always, please consider supporting Narrative at patreon.com forward slash narrative and have a good night, everybody. narrative is made possible by viewers like you join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative that's patreon.com forward slash narrative